Welcome. I'm Richard Prosh, and this is another edition of Six Gun Justice Conversations. These are episodes where my co-host, Paul Bishop, or I get to hang out around the virtual Six Gun Justice campfire and spend some time talking with friends who work in the Western genre. With me for this edition is best-selling author, Kaylin Johnson. Kaylin Vaughn Johnson, author of Robbing the Pillars, is a historical fiction writer living in Raleigh, North Carolina. Graduating from UNC Chapel Hill with a BA in mass media, she worked in television for eight years. A voracious reader, she grew up on the greats of historical fiction. James Mishner, Leon Uris, James Clavel, Larry McMurtry, Pat Conroy, Colleen McCullough, Edward Rutherford, and Ken Follett. These stories and a fascination with history, particularly the 1800s and the American frontier, moved her to write. Kaylin Von Johnson's Raid of Souls, her second book in the Empire Baron series, is available now. Find out more at kaylinvonjohnson.com. Thanks for reining in with us today under the campfire for some informal conversation. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Kaylin, your bio says that you worked in television, and uh, I, I don't think we've had a lot of opportunities to talk to folks who've worked in television. How did you transition from that to a career uh, writing Westerns, of all things? Well, it was really always about the writing, and I was realistic enough to know that I wouldn't graduate college and support myself writing novels off the bat. And fortunately, UNC Chapel Hill had a terrific journalism school and a, and a really great radio, television, motion picture department at the time, which was my major. Uh, now we call that mass media. And then it was RTDMP. And I took every possible type of writing, creative journalism, broadcast journalism. And in those days, you took whatever job got your foot in the door. And I started out as an engineer and eventually ran the promotions department for a Raleigh uh, NBC affiliate. You know, I got into video editing and did all the station events and, you know, premiere parties and on-air advertising, got into video editing and really enjoyed all that. No on-camera type work. During that time, I had fancied writing about my grandmother's family. Uh, there were some pretty amazing women in that group. And one of the great aunts had written an extensive genealogy dating back to a couple married by a pastor in jail for religious persecution in either Ireland or Scotland. And they boarded a ship and came to America. My husband and I traveled to Jackson, Mississippi to visit with probably the most fascinating sister, and I recorded uh, several hours of conversation. Great Aunt Jack had written a booklet of sketches of her immediate family. She was the keeper of the stories. And in fact, I used one in Robbing the Pillars. There's a scene where the children are walking on a bull's back in his stall. And that was actually my grandmother and her little sister, um, my great aunt Jack. After that, my husband's job moved us with two toddlers to Tokyo, and that was kind of the end of the TV career then, and uh, it really opened things up for me and allowed me to do more research and reading, and mostly in Western nonfiction and any areas I had interest in, but largely the fun frontier and uh, Native American history. That's fantastic to have that in your family and have some of those old stories written down and capture that voice of generations past. It really is. So was writing then something that you always wanted to do or something that you kind of, you know, just sort of played at for a while or what? I always did. I always remember writing, you know, even 
little with cartoons that I watched, you know, I'd write down conversations of the next adventure after the cartoon was over. Ah, sure. And, uh, you know, most kids do that sort of thing. But in eighth grade, I had an English teacher who saw something in my writing and she pulled me out of class and sent me to the library for the remainder of the year. And I just turned in a notebook every Friday to her. It was a continuing saga. It was a Western. After a few months, she picked another girl to also do the same thing with me. And after that, we got nothing done because you put two 14-year-old girls in a library. <laughs> we spent more time yakking and then had to go home and uh, do all our writing at home. <laughs> uh, have you ever managed to stay in touch with that teacher or you know, I haven't. Uh, you know, I saw her all through high school and, uh, and she retired and moved, I believe. And I really lost track of her at that point. Yeah, she she meant a lot to me. She really did. Um, and, there, you know, there was another aha moment as far as direction, because like I said, I, I took every type of writing possible when I was in college and I had gotten into a summer workshop with a uh, pretty famous playwright, Tad Moselle from the Playhouse 90 era. So the university brought in a lot of people that were retired and had this wealth of knowledge as interval professors and that sort of thing. And he was um, teaching us playwriting and I was really struggling with this. I didn't like my topic that I had started with and then I was roped into it. I met with him in his office and he asked to see some of my short stories. He wanted to see what other kind of writing I did. And one of them was these stories that I had written about my grandmother. And he kind of looked at me and he said, you know, I don't normally suggest that people write outside their own time and experience, but he said, I believe you. He said, this is what you should be doing. And after that, I really never looked back from doing things in a historical genre. Oh, that's fantastic. So what do you think makes a good Western book or a good Western story? Oh, I think primarily authenticity, uh, realistic details and settings. It, it really annoys me when I pick up any book, but you know you know how the Western crowd is. If you get anything wrong, you're going <laughs> to hear about it. You know, other than that, I think it's people stories. It's, it's about the human spirit and human nature and our perseverance through all challenges and how do we rise above. And I feel like that's a lot of what our nation was based in and overcoming obstacles and a certain amount of romanticism. Now, the first book in your Empire Baron series of novels was Robbing the Pillars. So how did that develop? Did that develop from some of your family stories or was that something else that you wanted to write? Uh, it was it was something else I wanted to write. There's a strong family dynamic in that book about, you know, the only thing I fell back on is James tends to talk to the children in the way my grandfather used to talk to us. It, that hi, hi, hi. You know, we <laughs> heard rumors about his temper over the years. Never saw it, but that's all he had to say. And we'd get into line. But uh, Charlotte was actually my original protagonist. And I was writing a story of a young woman on her own in the West. And as I developed her, I wanted to show where she got her strengths and her tenacity of character. I'd written uh, two, 300 pages of her story when I went back to write the open. And I thought it would be about 50 pages about her early life and the influence of her father, James. And I had this picture of who he was. 
And as I created his backstory, he just sprang to life. And I fell in love with him and the whole cast of characters that came with him. And Robbing the Pillars became his story and of the mismatched partnership of friends that he had taking on the establishment of the Times. And I knew nothing about mining or California politics at that time. So there was so much to explore. And that story went straight into Raid of Souls. So did you know that Raid of Souls was coming as you wrote the first book? Oh, yes. I had no choice because about the first half of that book was meant to be in Robbing the Pillars. And as a first-time author, you don't always get that much space. <laughs> so uh, my editor picked the spot uh, that the that uh, Robbing the Pillars ended. So um, I kind of left every major character, you know, standing on the edge of a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> so Raid of Souls is is the reckoning that's coming. How do you go about researching these novels then? Because, you know, especially if you've got more than one book, there's a lot of history and there's a lot of character development and things that goes into a book of, you know, 70, 80, 100,000 plus words. It, it takes a lot of work. So how do you go about it? Two different ways. Mainly, I just read everything I can get my hands on. And I've, I've learned to only take one topic at a time because my books cover a lot of different things, the politics of the era you know, the economics of the era, you know, what's going on on the ranches, the mines, the businesses. And if I try to do it all at once, I just can't. Uh, So I try to pick an area and read everybody that I can, you know, all nonfiction, everybody that I can study and get a good overall understanding of it. And I usually start about 10, if I'm working around an event, I start about 10 years back just so I can get an understanding of what's going on in the time period leading up to that. Because there's always a ton of questions and I'm always asking, well, what caused this or who started that? And then what happened and why? And you can spend a lot of time going down trails with that. And as these things develop, I tend to find the characters that fit the situation. They just kind of pop into mind and then it gives me a basis to develop them and put them, you know, or if it's information that someone needs to know uh, about uh, about the time, somebody's got to be there, somebody's got to see it. So they become a character that helps push that part of the story along. And then you find, run across the little, uh, the fun details, the things that people don't talk about anymore, or been forgotten. And uh, those things I always have to put in there. And just because they're, they're quirky and, uh, you know, there was a lot that I ran across doing research on the flooding that happened around the mines and around California. And it's a pretty dry topic until you start reading some of these old diaries and things of people in the area. And you find out that there's all these shenanigans going on between the towns as they competed for who was going to get flooded the worst and what links they were willing to do to protect themselves. And it, and it, it just became a very interesting part of the story. Do you find yourself as you research, you know, you take notes and then you come back to them and say, oh, wow, here's another whole story or whole book or series of stories I could write someday in the future. And you, you, know, you want to tuck that away. Oh, absolutely. It, and you, you really have to pick and choose as you 
go through and I'm, I've got notebooks everywhere. I've got post-its everywhere and I try to organize the post-its and highlight things to death. And then when I go back and reread right before I get ready to sit down, I just read all the highlights and the notes and then I realize how much I've forgotten and, and you just can't get it all in there. So you have to put it aside saying, okay, maybe this is for book two. <laughs> <laughs> you know, our, our friend Johnny D. Boggs, uh, who uh, we oh, know yeah. through the Western Writers of America, posted a photo on Facebook of his uh, writing space after he finished a book. You know, <laughs> there were books all over and post-it notes, like you say. And, and I think yeah, a lot of us can relate to that probably. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And sometimes it's just notes to yourself. Remember to look back at this. <laughs> right, right. Are there more books in the Empire Baron series? Uh, yes. Yeah, I'm seeing three more books uh, for this series. Uh, I've got them somewhat plotted out, but I'm sure as the other writers will tell you, things kind of take on a life of their own sometimes <laughs> when you uh, plan these things out. They don't always... The characters don't always want to go where you tell them to go in the beginnings. And I'm also thinking about a prequel for for James back in Scotland. And uh, he got himself into some trouble, which was one of the reasons he made the jump over to America. And so I wanted to explore that story. It was an interesting time and place there as well. So what's coming up next? Are you going to stay with the series? Do you have uh, short stories? Do you write or are there anything? Is there anything else coming up uh, or are we just looking forward to the next book then? I'm just working on the next book. I've already started a great deal of the research, and I'm I'm hoping to make a, a site visit uh, to the Southwest where I'm going to bring in some different elements and some new characters that tie into this story. That's that's another thing that I do when I research is is I have to go to the area where, that I'm talking about. It just gets to a point where you're you're guessing. And especially when the terrain is as varied as it is in California, the, the mountains, the foothills, everything, you know, I've been to all, all of my towns numerous times. I've been through the Empire Mine, uh, their complete tour there. And it got to a point where my husband and I went back to Nevada City because there was a major scene coming up with, with a fire of course, there were many fires and the towns burned down lots of times uh, during their growth. But this one particular one was the worst in Nevada City and they had the most deaths. I think there were 10. And the most frightening thing about it was they thought at that time they were fireproof. They had changed all the buildings to brick. They had brought in iron doors and iron shutters and they had run copper pipes and had the, the pumps at various places and it didn't work out that way. And some of my characters were fleeing from this scene. And I just started panicking that I hadn't gotten it right. That they're, you know, what if I'm telling them to go through a ravine or a creek that I can't see on this map that is there? And so I went back to the town and walked with my manuscript, you know, through every step of the, of the escape and uh, made sure it worked. Oh, that's great. Kaylin, I'd like to wrap up our conversation by again pointing listeners to your website at kaylinvonjohnson.com. And I know you're on Facebook. Uh, is there any other social media platform that you frequent? I'm mainly on LinkedIn and you know, I don't tweet a whole lot. So, <laughs> um, so that that's what, you know, other than my website, that's really about it. Well, thanks a lot for being here today. I really enjoyed talking to you. 
Oh, thank you so much. Uh, I enjoy listening to these podcasts. It's very enlightening to hear what my fellow writers are doing and the ones that I've followed and read their work. And uh, it's just a great thing. And thanks to you for listening. Paul and I appreciate your support of our Six Gun Justice podcast and hope you continue to enjoy each and every episode. As always, a hearty thank you to our sponsors, Wolfpack Publishing, author Chris Enns, and the Western Writers of America for making this podcast possible. Be sure to check our website, www.sixgunjustice.com, for links to previous podcast episodes, speed listens, and prior conversations, along with reviews, interviews, and articles from the Western genre. Till next time, keep the sun at your back and a good horse at hand. Let's ride.